0: Hey, good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? Let me hear you. Come on, let me hear you. Tell the person beside you, I don't know how you looked when you came in, but you looked better than when you did come in. How about that? Y'all like that line? For, for all you single people, that's your pickup line, all right? You walk up to somebody in Puckett's or uh, the Mexican restaurant, and you lay that bad boy on them. You're going to get them. Hey, my name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I uh, get the absolute privilege to pastor this church, and if you are visiting with us in person, if you're visiting with us online, I want to say welcome. I do want to give you just a couple of quick announcements before we jump into the finale message today. Uh, First, just some basic announcements. If you are visiting, we would love to connect. We like to say here at Victory, we want to get you from your seat to your feet. I just believe when you come into a church, here's the truth. You may be visiting for the first time, maybe you've been coming for a couple weeks, but what you're looking for is connection. And we want to do our best, especially in this crazy season, to help you get connected, to be able to answer any of your questions and, and get you with a group of people that are, have your same thoughts and desires and, and, and goals in life. And so here's how we do that. You can do it one of two ways. When you came in, you were given a, a card, a connection card in your hand. You can fill that out. Or if you don't want to do that, whether you're watching online or you just like to stay, you know, you're kind of new in the technical world, you can uh, text to connect. So you can text victory eighteen. To the number 31996. And when you do that, it's gonna send you a digital uh, connection card. Regardless, whether it's digital or the one in your hand, here's what you'll do you'll fill that out. There's some areas at the bottom where maybe if after the service today you decide to give your heart to Jesus or you wanna get baptized or you wanna have more information about Dream Team or anything. It allows us to answer those questions, but here's my guarantee to you. You'll fill out one of those cards. I'll reach out to you this week and just try to make a connection and just, again, answer any of your questions and see how we can get you more involved here at Victory. Also, immediately following service, if you'll take that connection card or proof that you did it over your phone... To our welcome center, we got a really cool gift we want to give you. And that's just our way of saying thank you for choosing to visit us this Sunday. Thank you for choosing uh, to spend your Sunday morning with us. So text to connect, do me a favor, do that uh, so that we can reach out and make a connection with you. Second, if you're wanting to give. So maybe again you're visiting or you've been here coming for a couple weeks, say, man, I really love what they do. I want to support it. You can do that one of three ways. You can do it on our website, tnvictory.com. You can do it through our app. Uh, You can also text to give. And then even as you're leaving, one of our auditorium hosts will have a Victory Church bucket that you're able to give that way. It is my passion to share with you, church, all that we're able to do um, because of your faithfulness. I shared last week that a buddy of mine pastors in Waverly, Tennessee, and so not only are we preparing to send finances their way, but we're actually in talks now on how we could actually go and visit and help serve. So here's what I want you to do on that connection card, or you can email info at tnvictory.com. Here's the easiest way to say it our Facebook. You visit. If you say, hey, I'd like to go with you, Troy, to Waverly to serve, you can let us know by putting your information in that, and I'll get back to you on the dates. I don't know if it's going to be this week or next. We're trying to work out everything with their church, but we would go and physically serve. But because of your faithfulness, we're already able to help them out financially. And then on top of that, One of our ministry partners is Convoy of Hope, so we always support Convoy of Hope, and they are already prepped. I think it's 22 trucks is what they already have ready to go to Louisiana in preparations of Hurricane Ida. And so, check this out. This is what's so cool. If you're watching that, hopefully you're praying for them. We'll pray for them um, before the service is over. But hopefully you're believing that God is going to protect them and watch over them. But here's what's cool. As you're supporting Victory Church, you're supporting sending water and food all the way to Louisiana. So I just want to thank you so much for your faithfulness. Those are things we're able to do because you give all the time. Amen? Amen. All right, let me give you some calendar announcements and then we'll get into this. Uh, right after service today is Growth Track. And so, Growth Tracks are a way for you to learn a little bit about us, what we believe, what we're founded on, as well as learn a little bit about yourself and how you get connected. It's about 30, 40 minutes. And so, whether again you're visiting for the first time and say, Man, I like this church, I want to figure out what they're about or whether you've been coming for a couple of weeks, we urge you to go through that class. When you walk out those doors after service, there'll be somebody standing there with a sign that says, ask me about Growth Track." You walk up to them, they'll show you where it's at. Uh, Again, 30, 40 minutes, you'll be in, you'll be out. All the information you need, uh, do that for us again so that you can learn more about victory and know this is my church. September 12th is water baptism. Water baptism on September 12th. I hear you, woo, give me a little woo. Right after service, we'll be baptizing people. Uh, So we've already got some kids that are signed up that I'm really excited about to see those young hearts be baptized uh, in the name of Jesus. And so if you want to be baptized, again, text to connect, your connection card, everything flows on those cards. So you can mark that and and let us know that you want to be baptized and we'll be rocking and rolling. Last but not least, uh, today is our finale of At The Movies. Everybody say, aww. But I'm excited about next Sunday and here's why. I know it's Labor Day weekend. I know some of you are already planning to go out of town. That's fine. But if you're not going out of town and you're here, please be here, and here's why. We get back into the study of Acts. So we've been studying through the book of Acts as a church. We took a break for at the movies. We return to Acts. But on top of that, September 5th, 12th, and the 19th, those three Sundays we'll be sharing the vision of our church for the rest of this year and into 2022. It lines up with the book of Acts. It's phenomenal. Uh, You'll have a handout with some information and so on. So I want to encourage you, if you're just at the house being lazy because it's Labor Day weekend, come hear the vision and then go back home and continue being lazy. Amen. You ain't even, just put your PJs on and come to church. It's all right. We just want you to be lazy, come here. hear hear the vision over the next three Sundays. I'm really excited about that, and I think you're going to be too when you see not only what we're wanting to do, but what we're already doing. God is doing some great things right here in Rutherford County. Can I get amen? Amen. Amen. I love that. All right, y'all ready? All right, so, so let me give it, in case, in case you're not familiar with this, let me update you real quick. We've been doing a series called At The Movies, and what I do is I take a couple of clips from today's blockbusters, and then I'll preach about it a little bit and introduce some, some biblical truths, because I believe that every blockbuster movie is founded on biblical truth. I just believe that. And so the first week we did, our, our theme has been sequels. So the first week we did Creed Two. We talked about the pressures of life and how to put that pressure back on God instead of trying to hold it ourselves. Week two, we talked about Frozen 2 and the Holy Spirit. We walked through all the different things that the Holy Spirit does for us. And then week three, last week, we watched Iron Man 2, and we talked about prayer and the power of prayer. And so today is our finale, and I feel like it's, I I know I might be going backwards uh, for those of you that think this way, but let me just explain to you. I think now is the best time to just do the most simple, uh, clear presentation of the gospel. I just think it's important that we know that. I think as we continue to serve God and live for God and share God, it's important that you and I know just the clear-cut presentation of the gospel, and I thought that this movie was one of the best ways to show it. So are you ready for your feature presentation? Get your popcorn, pop your Cokes, check this out. All right, how many Harry Potter fans we got in the house? How many Harry Potter fans we got in the house? Let me hear you. That was way more than I thought there would be. Okay, okay. Let me just give kind of a a disclaimer, I've never seen all of the Harry Potters, I started to watch a couple of them because my wife said, we're going to Universal, and you need to know the movies to be able to enjoy the park, and so we watched a couple of them, and by the time we went to Universal, I stopped watching it, and then let me tell y'all what she did to me in preparation for this series, she said, honey, there is a Harry Potter film you've got to watch for at the movies, it's perfect, she explains it to me, I said, great, let's watch it, and so we sat down to watch it, I'm not lying to you, there was five minutes left in the movie, y'all, five minutes. And the whole time I'm thinking like, I just don't see it. I can't quite pull it out. And she looks at me, she goes, oh, babe, this is the wrong one. <laughs> I'm like, "You get, I, four and a half hours of my life I spent just watching this movie, and it's the wrong one? Listen, I know for some, you know, it's kind of a controversial movie. Uh, Sometimes it it gets caught with criticism and judgment, but here's the one thing that we cannot deny. Regardless of how you feel about it, regardless if you are a Harry Potter person or a Lord of the Rings person or or whether a neither one, regardless, what you cannot deny is the parallel between this story and the gospel. In, In case you've never seen any of them, let me give you a really quick synopsis. The quick synopsis is that you have evil and then you have good, and there is this boy that has been born, and he's been marked or chosen to be the one that will give his life and defeat evil and save his people, right? The gospel is the good news. It's the good news that God sent his son to die for our sins so that you and I could be reconciled to God. That's what the gospel is. In, In a really quick sentence, it's the good news that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins so that we could be reconciled to God. In other words, Jesus is the baby who was born, marked, or chosen to defeat evil and save his people. It's that simple, right? If you were, I'm not, I'm not going to call Harry Potter a spiritual movie, but you could easily see the parallel between him and Jesus being born for our sins. And as I watched this movie and as I watched all the movies prepping for this series, I couldn't help but think, like, every generation kind of has its heroes and villains. You know what I mean? Like, like, I'm 36 years old. I was born in the 80s. And so, so I have, like, my, thank you, Scout. Um, he's like, he's still alive. That's great. Um, loser. And so, uh, you know, everybody kind of, for example, let's just kind of see. For some of you, your, your favorite hero and villain is Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, right? few of us, okay. Uh, Let's see. For some of you, it's Batman and Joker. All right, none of those, okay. Uh, Superman and Lex Luthor. Uh, One, Uh, all right. Optimus Prime and Megatron. Well, we're a much younger crowd than I thought here, okay. Uh, One of my favorites, Raphael, Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo, and Shredder. Come on, baby. That's what I'm talking about. We'll have church right here. We'll all come dressed as our favorite Ninja Turtle next Sunday. Don't y'all mess with me. Uh, anybody? I don't even know the villain's name in, uh, what's the Frodo guy? Lord of the Rings. What's the villain's name? Anybody know? Saren. Who? Sauron. Sauron. That guy and Frodo. All right. here we go. There we go. Okay. So everybody's got their heroes. I'm sure I'm leaving some off. You know, nowadays, if you're younger, it's, it's Iron Man and Thanos, right, because that's been reintroduced, and, um, you know, it's just different heroes and different villains, but whatever the genre is, despite the genre, there, there is something about us where our favorite stories always involve a hero and a villain. There's always a hero and a villain, and it makes me wonder where we would be without these stories of light and darkness like where would we be without them and, and why is there something in us that regardless of what happens we just believe that in the end the hero is going to win and then I step back and wonder and why is it that we find these stories so appealing what is it what is it about a hero versus a villain that makes us all of a sudden perk up and pay attention Why is it that when those moments happen and the music hits right, our nerves and the hair on our arms stand up? What is it about us that just loves the idea of the hero beating the villain? And I think I know the answer, and I think it's simpler than you could imagine. I picked that scene because of this battle between good versus evil. Like, we're no strangers to the concept, but for some reason we're drawn to it. And what we're drawn to more than anything is that epic battle. That's what I saw in that scene is like this epic battle. And whenever you're watching the movie, you're always waiting for that epic moment. Like how many of you watched Endgame Avengers? You watched that when it came out and there was that moment at the end where it was this epic battle and Captain America gets Thor's hammer and it's like everybody runs after each other and it's like, yeah. And there's just, again, there's something about that we love. And as I was processing that, I remember all the way back to when I was eight years old, when I was eight years old, I had action figures. Anybody here have action figures? Not dolls. We're not talking about dolls. We're talking about action figures. They had abs, all right? They were men. They came with weapons. And I had all of them. I had all four of the Ninja Turtles. I had Ghostbusters. I actually had a little Vankman toy. Um, and then I had all the X Men and all. And my favorite one, my favorite personal hero action figure was Wolverine. That was, that was my favorite hero. And so what I would do is I would get all my figurines, and I'd get in the closet, and I'd set up this, this whole fight battle scene. I'd sneak into my sister's room and get all of her Barbies, because there had to be a woman for Wolverine to save, right? That just has to happen. So I had to go get her, and she had the, the Barbies that came out in the McDonald's Happy Meals. They didn't have feet. They just had a flat platform. You remember that? You know, oh, no. Okay, too old. Too young. So I'd get those Barbies and bring them in, and you know, somebody, Shredder or Magneto or whoever would have caught Barbie and Wolverine, all the X-Men had to go save her, and they would have this epic battle. And what I would do is I would break off one of the limbs of the action figure and take fingernail polish, and I would paint where the figure was red. I like, this dude is messed up. Because like, it had to be realistic. There had to be blood. What I didn't realize is when you're closed in the closet, and you're doing fingernail polish the whole time. The fumes get you. And I was high in the closet, having a great time. Wolverine was alive and talking to me. It was, it was wild. But it never failed, y'all. At the end of my epic battle, there was something at eight years old. There was this something in me that felt like Wolverine had to die. Like he had to sacrifice his life for Barbie and all the other people. And so I would set up this romantic moment. Where Barbie is like, Wolverine's like bleeding, laying on the ground. And Barbie's like, oh, I love you. And he's like, I love you too. And then there's like that final, oh, and then he dies. It was beautiful. I loved it. Wolverine was a hero. And the truth is that when it comes to good versus evil, it isn't just a story for us. It it isn't just a blockbuster movie. The concept of good versus evil is in our blood. It's running through us. It's why we get excited about it. It's why when all of a sudden we see the undefeatable Thanos go down to the Captain America here, there's something in us that relates more than just a movie because it's running through our blood. Genesis tells the story of our creation. So in Genesis, it starts with us being created, and then it tells the story of our first interaction with evil, and then it goes on to talk about how we fall, how we lost to evil. And if you were to quit reading right there in Genesis chapter three, the consensus that you would arrive at is that we lost, that evil won. Matter of fact, Paul's where we're gonna look at scripture-wise, he's writing to the church in Rome, Romans chapter eight, talking about this scenario. And look what he says. He says, for we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. So he's saying, no matter who you are, We're all under the same power of sin, male, female, it doesn't matter, under the same power of sin. And he goes on to say, as it is written, watch this, there is no one righteous. So if you think you're good, you're not, not even one. There is no one who understands. I love this. There's no one who seeks God. If you think you're seeking God, it's actually God seeking you. He goes on to say, all have turned away. They have come together, or they all together become worthless, and there is no one who does good, not even one. And then he goes on to say this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Here's what Paul is saying, is that every one of us, every one of us have lost to sin. And we all need a savior. We are all powerless against the consequence of sin. And here's what you need to understand we cannot save ourselves. No matter how hard we try, we cannot save ourselves. Therefore, deep down inside, we understand that for good to be able to defeat evil, there must be a sacrifice. You already understand that concept. I'm not here to preach that to you. At eight years old, I knew that Wolverine had to die. Every one of us know deep, you can press it down all you want, but you know deep inside that for good to defeat evil, someone must sacrifice. I'll prove it to you. Why else would every author and every director that has ever made a great book or a great movie about some type of tale of good versus evil, the good guy always has to die. He always has to be sacrificed. Why did Terminator have to go down into the lava to be able to eat the, beat the T-1000, right? You remember that? Put a little thumbs up and he went down. Remember that? How come uh, Iron Man had to die to beat Thanos and Black Widow for that matter? I don't feel like she gets enough love for her sacrifice, but that's another story. How come, how come Gandalf had to be sacrificed? How come Groot had to be sacrificed? How come Han Solo had to be sacrificed? How come Jack had to die for Rose? Now, let's be honest. He didn't have to die. You know, we all know. You've, you've had that story. He could have he fit on that door. But the truth of the matter is, it's just in us. It's in us. Whether we know it or not, there's something in us. There's an expectation inside of our hearts That just when evil believes it has won, we will see a hero who's willing to give their life for our salvation. When the time comes, the boy must die. I thought it was so cool when he said, you've been keeping him safe this whole time for the opportune time for him to die, which is so scripture. There's so many times where Jesus is caught, should have been caught, should have been arrested, should have been killed, but he wasn't because it was not the time. The price for sin has always been blood. It's always been someone's life. That's always been the price for sin. Therefore, listen to me, our sins can be paid for in one of two ways. Our life in hell for eternity, or Jesus' life, on the cross. Those are the only two ways, our life in eternity in hell or Jesus' life on the cross. Either way, the law is satisfied. Either way. But God would rather him pay the price than for you and I to pay the price. Once again, Paul is speaking about this to the church in Rome, this time in chapter five of Romans. And he says, you see, at just the right time, When we were still powerless, you see that? Just the right what? Time. Just the right time. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Who are the ungodly? Us. (laughs) You, me. At just the right time, Christ died for us. Very rarely, I love this concept that Paul then says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare To die, in other words, someone who's righteous and great, someone might die. But no one ever dies for someone who is unrighteous and ungodly, but yet God demonstrates his own love for us in this. What? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What I love about that verse is that means whether you choose to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior or not, he still died for you. He didn't wait till you were righteous. He didn't wait till you were, or you were fixed or you had figured it all out or got it right or read your Bible or prayed often. He is not waiting for any of that to then die for you. He died for you when you were ungodly. He was born to die for you. He died for you while you were yet a sinner. He died for us so that we could be saved. And obviously, this is the question we ask Why do heroes have to die? Why? did Jesus have to sacrifice his life, right? Like, like, we hear that all the time. You're in the South. You've heard Jesus died for your sins, but surely at some point you've asked, why? Here's the best way I could think to ask it. Why can't God just forgive those who are sorry for their wrongdoings? Am I right? Like, we've all done that before where we've sinned and we were legitimately upset that we sinned and we felt sorry for it. Why couldn't God just look into our soul and be like, okay, I see that you're sorry. I see that you're sorry. You're forgiven. And then I had this situation happen. Let's just call it a situation where I understood what was happening. One day, about two or three weeks ago, Darla and I went to Crumble. Are y'all familiar with Crumble? These massive cookies that exist in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. If you haven't eaten them, go there. It's, I think it's manna from heaven. I'm, I'm pretty convinced. Manna with icing. And so we go and we get these cookies. And one of the cookies that day was called the butter cookie, okay? It, it, it was like you were eating a stick of butter is what it was like. <laughs> Glorious. <laughs> Just incredible. And so we got it. We got the box. We ate like half of them. There was still half left. A couple of days go by. It's in the refrigerator. And I had a really busy day. I had meetings back to back to back to back. And the whole day, I'm like, man, when I get home, I'm going to cook dinner. And then after I cook dinner and do the dishes and put the kids up for bed, I was just trying to hype myself up. You know, when I get done doing all the good things, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna indulge in this butter cookie. Like, I just can't wait. I'm gonna eat all of it and not be ashamed. You know what I mean? Like, it's gonna be amazing. And so I went through the whole day, worked, did everything, cooked dinner, ate dinner, all that. And I go and I open up the refrigerator, and they come in these really long pink boxes. And I open up the refrigerator, and I see a pink box. And I was like, this can't be right. And then I had a I was like, oh, my wife is so prophetic that she knew I was going to want it. So she's already gotten it out of the fridge and set it on the counter so that it could warm up and you know, be easier to eat. And so I started searching the kitchen and there was no pink box. And now I started to get worried. Okay. And I'm like really stressed out. So I went to my wife and I was like, hey, babe, uh, I can't find the crumble cookie. And she was like, oh, babe, I threw that away. <laughs> there it is. And, um, so after I, after I had Veda hide all the knives, right, all the sharp objects, I said, you did what? She said, oh, those that are day old. I threw them away. And then she said this, clearly, she said, I threw them away. I'm sorry, babe. Y'all ever had that moment? Maybe it was your spouse. Maybe it was your kid when they broke something that you have, and they were like, I'm sorry. And in their mind, everything is right. Everything's great. We can move on with our life because you said, I'm sorry. Here's the reason why she's laughing. Here's the problem with that. She's genuinely sorry. She has moved on. I still have to suffer. You know what I mean? Like I'm still sitting there in the chair just contemplating life all together. Like, I'm not even really sure I want to live anymore because I had this huge idea. And and this is what I'm understanding. Just because somebody says they're sorry doesn't mean that someone doesn't still have to pay for the consequences of what happened. You can be legitimately sorry. When you and I sin, regardless of how sorry we feel, the consequence still has to be borne by someone. Someone still has to pay the price. Someone still has to, if right now you leave church, and you get in your car, your brand new car that you've kept clean, and you are loving it. Every time somebody does anything, you clean it, you scotch, what is it, scotch guard it, you do that, and your kid gets in with a red cherry icy, and spills, I think I've had this nightmare before, which is why it's so clear, spills the icy on your leather chair in your car, and then looks at you with those beautiful eyes and says, Mom, Dad? I'm sorry. Everything in you goes, oh, baby, it's okay. So you, oh, it's okay. And then they get up and they go in the house and then you say words that the Bible doesn't have in it. You know what I mean? Nebuchadnezzar, you know, you're just saying things. That like, like, you're so mad because you still have to suffer with the consequence of that. And we have to understand that the payment for sin has always been blood. It's always been someone's life, and so just because we say we're sorry, that, that's great. I think we are sorry, but someone still has to pay the price, so what God did temporarily is he put in a system where people could use animals, and so we read about this a lot in the Old Testament where people would get a lamb, and they would sacrifice the lamb because, again, Sin had to be paid by blood, and so the system was that you could get this lamb, and there were stipulations. Lamb had to be male, and it had to have no blemishes and no broken bones and all these different things. They had to uh, kill it at a certain time in the day. They had to put it in the oven at a certain time in the day, but the blood of the lamb that they had was representation of the death that would forgive their sins. That's what God put in motion. So they would, they would spend their lives having these lambs. They would raise them up. They would prep them. They would go shoot, try to make sure they were the right so that they would have it ready and they'd be able to kill the lamb to have the forgiveness of their sins. Now here's the deal. God knew that there was not enough sheep in the world to be able to forgive the world's sins. So he sent Jesus. He said, no longer are we gonna do this system where you're constantly doing another lamb. We're gonna do a once and for all, once and for all sacrifice. And that sacrifice is going to be Jesus Christ, the son of God. And when that sacrifice happens, when he's killed, the blood of Jesus is the representation that pays our sin. So watch this. So we can say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, who's going to pay the price? Jesus did. I'm sorry for the sin. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. Well, who is going to die? Jesus did. Look at some of just, just some of the stipulations of the lamb that Jesus met. The lamb had to be a male, Jesus was a male. The lamb had to be offered up right outside the city. Jesus was offered up right up, right outside the city. The, the lamb had to be without blemish. Jesus was without blemish. The lamb, this is so cool, had to be without broken bone. And there's moments where you read in the Bible when they crucified Jesus, they would often come through and break the legs of those who were being crucified so that it would hurry up their death because then they couldn't hold themselves up. They chose not to break the legs of Jesus. They thought it was a coincidence. God knew what he was doing. He did it so he would meet the stipulations that were already put in place for the sacrificial lamb. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. That's why someone, you say, why did someone have to die? Because the price had to be paid. So to today, someone still has to die for your sins. And it's up to you, whether it's you or whether it's Jesus. There was a debt to be paid. So God paid it himself. There was a penalty to be born, so God bore it himself. With forgiveness always comes a form of costly suffering. So Jesus was the boy who lived that came to die. I think it's the Holy Spirit in me. Go ahead, you you, you can clap. I saw you about to clap. You can clap. I, I think it's the Holy Spirit in me, but I leaned over to Darla during that scene, and I said, I need it to be bigger right? I need it to be big. It's something in me that, because all of a sudden, when he's walking around going, put your faith in me, I imagine that's the enemy, because the disciples, everybody who followed Jesus, and Jesus claimed to be the son of God, and he claimed all these things. He claimed he was the, the Passover lamb, the sacrificial lamb, and then for him to die, that had to be this moment. I just pictured when he turned around, and he's laughing at everybody. I pictured that that's hell. That's, that's the devil celebrating, but then all of a sudden, that stone started to move, right? Because the best thing about the gospel is that it doesn't end with the crucifixion and the death of Jesus. It ends with the resurrection of Jesus. It ends with this moment where Christ comes out of the grave and says, I am the Son of God. I paid the price, but I've been resurrected by God. Watch this. It is the forgiveness of Jesus that we get in the crucifixion, but it's the faith in the crucifixion that we get out of the resurrection, right? It's not just a man's word. He did it, and then he came out of the grave. And so while the crucifixion gives us hope, the resurrection moves our hope to faith and something that we can stand on because Jesus rose again. And I just, man, I wish I could, if I was a director, I'd film it, but I wish I could have been like in hell in that moment where the devil's all cocky, you know, just cocky. Put your faith in me. And then everything starts to rattle, and he realizes the keys are missing. Like, who took the keys? And Jesus over there just looking like a G. You know what I mean? Just like takes the hammer and just, ah! You know, it's just bit of an amazing moment. And I think that's why it's in our blood. I think it's why we love those moments, because that's what our God did. And we know it. And it's the death of Jesus mixed with the resurrection of Jesus. Paul, once again, speaks on this. This time he's talking to the church of Corinth in the book of 1 Corinthians. Here's what he says. He says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried, and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. But if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? He goes on to say, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And here's what you need to understand. Listen, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. If Christ hasn't been resurrected from the grave, this is pointless. We shouldn't be meeting. But but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die. So in Christ, all will be made alive. Paul says, listen. Scripture often refers to Jesus as the second Adam. First Adam represents us. Second Adam represents Christ. Where the first Adam, us, failed in the garden, Jesus succeeded in the garden, Garden of Gethsemane. And where the first Adam, us, lost to a tree, tree of Eden, tree of good, good and evil, second Adam, Jesus, Jesus, one on a tree, a sacrifice. The gospel's not about choosing to follow good advice, y'all. It's about being called to follow a king. It's not just someone with the power and the authority to tell you what needs to be done, but someone with the power and the authority to do what needs to be done and then offer it to you as good news. I read this story. There was this artist, and you know, he had started off really young, and he had made some masterpieces, but then as he got older, he got more and more famous, more and more popular. And so years later, he's, he's traveling. He gets to this town. He's walking through the town, just kind of wasting some time, and he passes by this old antique store. And as he passes by the old antique store, he looks into the window, and there is this picture kind of sitting there on display, and it's one of his old paintings, one of his masterpieces. And he's sitting there, and he's looking. He can't even believe it. He, he painted that years ago, and he can't believe it. And as he's staring there and looking at it, he starts to notice that the frame of it's kind of broken, The nails are starting to show in the frame. He notices that the painting itself is dirty, and it's you know, just, just out of whack. So obviously, it's his masterpiece, right? So he can't stand that. So he goes into the antique store and goes back to the bathroom, gets a paper towel, gets it wet, and he walks back up to the front of the store, and he begins to wipe off the glass of that's around the painting. He begins to kind of scrub some of those spots off, and he starts trying to push the frame, you know, kind of push the nails back in on the picture, and, you know, and all of a sudden, the owner of the antique store walks up and says, excuse me, sir, can I help you? And he said, yeah, I'm just trying to to work on this painting here. You know, it's looking kind of rough. I'm just trying to clean it up. And he says, sir, listen to me. That's not your painting. That's ours. And he says, if you want to restore it, you'll have to buy it first. What Jesus understood is for him to be able to restore us, he had to buy us first. So it was the crucifixion on the cross where he paid for our sins. And then it's the resurrection of Jesus where we get the hope that as we do this journey with, him, with us, he restores us. It's two parts. I was talking to the worship team back in the back. We were talking about, or I was actually, no, I was talking to Chris, I'm sorry. And we were talking about how for me, this was the hardest message of the series. I said, it's so simple, it's hard. And he said, man, all the stuff you've been preaching the past three weeks was the hard stuff. This is easy, we're just saved. And I'm like, you're right, it's kind of a mix of that. We're saved, it's easy. And then we walk it out with him is where it gets hard. But it's not alone, he's with us. So Jesus dies for our sins and we accept that. And then he walks alongside us through the journey of life as we pursue holiness in him. So what's the gospel? The gospel is the good news that God sent his son to die for you on a cross so that you could be reconciled to God. One more thing that Paul said in the book of Romans to the church of Rome chapter 10. He said, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and that you are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Will everybody in here stand with me for a moment? As we bring this series to a close, I thought it was important to give you just the clearest example of the gospel. And whether you think Harry Potter is an appropriate movie or not is irrelevant to me at this moment. I just want you to understand that there is a boy that came to die. There is a sacrificial lamb that climbed up on a cross and died for your sins. Because law says that the payment of sin is death and it must be paid by blood. And God would rather him pay for that price than for you to pay the price. And then once you are saved, your hope is in the resurrection of Jesus as you walk out your faith with God. And so I go back to the words that Paul spoke. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. And so I want to just give you that opportunity. Maybe you're visiting, maybe you've been coming for a while, and you've never actually given your heart to Jesus, you've never professed your faith in Christ that Jesus is Lord. Maybe you thought you did, but you weren't sure. Maybe you have, and if you have, then I would ask you to just start praying right now that if there's anybody in this room who Christ is not their Savior, they'd make that decision today. But it's very clear say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. I believe you died. For my sins. And believe it in your heart. Believe it in your heart. So if you have to close your eyes, I'm going to pray. And while I pray, I'm going to ask you to pray. And if that's you, like I said, just as easy as could be, Jesus, I believe you're Lord. I believe you died for my sins. I want, I want you to be my Savior. Very easy verbiage. But you got to believe it in your heart. You got to believe it in your heart. You got to believe that Christ died for you. You got to believe you resurrected your hope in Jesus. And when you walk out of this place today, I promise you, you'll be different. So, Father, we come to you right now. In your presence, your gospel, your word is, it, it literally could change lives without us ever speaking it. But what an honor it is to share it. What an honor it is to focus on the words of Paul. What an honor it is to focus on the sacrifice you made for us. Father, I pray for every person in this room right now. For every person that's saved, I pray they'd be fired up to walk out of this place and share the gospel with everybody that they know. For any person in here who is not saved, that right now they'd say, Jesus, your Lord, I believe you died for my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. I pray that they would make that prayer right now. For anybody in here who's unsure, I pray you'd give them confidence today. Your word says that one man waters the seed and one man plants the seed, but only God makes it grow. Father, I'm just supposed to preach your gospel. It's between you and those individuals on whether they give their heart to you today. But Paul laid it out so clear. Believe in our heart. Confess with our mouths. Father, you care so much about everybody in this room that you would purposely have them here today. If they think they're here by accident, Father, you have them here on purpose. If for no other reason, you just want them to know how much you love them. How much you care about them. And your desire that they would not experience eternity in hell, but that they would be saved by the blood of Jesus be reconciled to you you did everything you could father to be able to open up the door for us to be able to walk into heaven with you it's our decision on whether or not we choose it listen to me if you're in this place and you make that decision today I really want to encourage you to make a note of it on that card that connection card because then we can come beside you and help you. We can walk with you, get you a Bible, help you learn how to read it, whatever it is that it might take, but we wanna walk with you in that. Father, thank you for this opportunity. We pray right now for a couple other things. We pray for those that are in the pathway of Hurricane Ida right now, that you protect them, watch over them. We pray for the churches that they would stand up and be the churches that you need to help to serve. We pray those that know you will do all they can to help. Those that don't know you would have an opportunity to be saved. We pray for your protection. We pray for those that were in Waverly that were impacted, that you would comfort families. God, we pray for every person that's been impacted by COVID-19. Lord, we're in a tough season. A lot's happening. People are scared. But there's no better time than to turn our attention to you. There's no better time than to abandon everything that we have and say, Father, we need you. What an opportunity to turn to you. Father, we give our life to you. Every decision. Not not only in praise that you sent Jesus to die for our sins, but the fact that we love you and want a relationship with you. Have your way in this place. Have your way in this place. Every person in here, every need that they have, Father, you want to meet. But most of all, you want to make yourself real to them today. So, I pray for that opportunity right now. Church, we're going to worship just one more time. And I want to encourage you just sit still for a moment. However, you could respond, let the Holy Spirit speak to you during this moment. Let Him be able to speak to your heart. If you gave your heart to Jesus, what a great opportunity to just cry and worship Him. If you're in a need, maybe this is a time to call out for that need. Father, we love you. We thank you. Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said,